Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. We made it. 2020, we made it here. That's pretty, pretty exciting. Good news. Well, we talk about Christmas and, um, and gifts. I mean, Christmas would be a lot simpler if they, we didn't do gifts, wouldn't it? It's a challenge to give gifts. I, I mean, I, I like to give gifts. I, I don't mind shopping for gifts, but I wish I knew what I was supposed to buy, right? <laughs> sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. Boy, my brother, I tell you, he is just an expert at this. He just knows how to do that. Uh, but he's not nearly as good as God, right? And Scripture says that James wrote in the first chapter of his letter, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father. God is the perfect gift giver. And, and in first Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, he, he's summing up a teaching, but he says this, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable his indescribable gift. And what is that gift? What was the gift that he gave us? I mean, he gave many things, but what Paul is talking about here, go to the next slide if you would there, it's for God, say it with me, would you read this with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift was his son, and everything that goes along with this. Let's go back to the previous slide there. And so the scripture says, his indescribable gift, Jesus indescribable. And yet here we are, every week we come in and worship and we sing songs that describe him, right? And we preach sermons that describe him and I'm going to try to describe some things about him and what it means to have a relationship with him today. So how is it indescribable? Well, I think the fact that we keep working to describe him and never get done, Right? And it's interesting, the, the word that's there in the, uh, uh, the Greek language, the root word for this is to, to declare completely, to express fully, to describe perfectly, and then they put the prefix A on it. Not. What's the prefix A mean? No or not, right? Okay, someone who is an atheist, a theist believes in God, and we put the A in front of him and says, no, they don't. Atheist, right? Someone is apathetic. Pathos means emotions. We put the A in front of it. No, they're not. They're apathetic. And so this is this idea to declare or describe fully, put the A in front of it. No, they're not. And in English, that's the I-N, indescribable. Uh, so we can't fully describe him, but what we want to do is just look at, focus on some things that we do know and that we can understand and benefit from. So go ahead, two slides forward now, Barry, if you would. And let's, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. This idea that Jesus, the Son of God, became a man, the man Jesus, born here at Christmas time, who will eventually die for our sins and rise again from the dead, which we celebrate on Easter. 
Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's page 1324 in the Bible that's there in the chairs, the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and that we can count on it uh, and, and the difference that it makes in our lives. Then he starts to talk about who Jesus was in history and the difference that it makes for us. So let's, let's read verse 20. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And so what I wanted to, to see today is that when God gave this gift by sending his son in human form to become a human being, to become a man, it, it's more than just this story that happened. I mean, we can know the story, we can believe the story and all that, but there's things here we want to see. Why, why did God do it that way? Why? Well, let's, let's look through these verses again here. He says, we got this, Christ has risen from the dead, has become the first fruits. First fruits uh, in the Bible, when they talked about first fruits, was every year, whether it was a crop or a tree, the very first fruit that came on it was considered the first fruit. And they would worship God with that by taking either the first part of the crop or the first part of the fruit tree, whatever, and give it to God as an offering. Okay, So Jesus is the first fruits okay, of those who have fallen asleep. But what did he do? He rose. Fallen asleep refers to having passed away. Okay, Then he says, for since by man came death. Who's that man? Adam. For since by Adam came death, by another man also came the resurrection of the dead, Christ. And then he elaborates, verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So we're going to look at a few more verses there, so don't, don't go anywhere. Um, every one of us were born in Adam. Okay, we put that quote, in Adam. We are all descendants of Adam. Okay, that means we inherited, in our physical heritage, we are in Adam. But also, when we are born in our spiritual heritage, we are all in Adam. Okay, and as we know, and we'll talk more about it in a little bit, but Adam sinned, didn't he? He sinned against God and he died spiritually to God. God provided a way for them to be redeemed. But in his nature, Adam had sinned against God. He had fallen. He was spiritually dead. He was lost. And so this one, it says here that in, as in Adam, all die. That's us. We're descendants of Adam. So we are born spiritually dead, dead to God. We have a spirit, but we don't have a relationship. We are separated from him by a sinful, dead spirit. And then we live like it. And commit sins. He says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So God has a plan here. In Adam, we're dead. But he sends Jesus that somehow we might become alive. Go over to, to verse number 45 in this chapter. There's a little theology here we got to grab today. It says, and so it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam 
This is what he's talking about over here in those earlier verses. See, Adam failed, didn't he? The first man whom we all descend from failed, disobeyed God, died spiritually. God sends his son in the world to become a human being, to become the last Adam. He, he's, he came that he might take Adam's place when it comes to spiritual things. Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, so Adam blew it. The Son of God comes to do it right, to get it right. Okay, so verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. You remember, God forms him of the dust of the earth, and it says, and then he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living being. Well, the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. In other words, he wasn't being made alive. He's the one who gives the life. Okay, it's a big difference there. Adam had to be made alive. Jesus is the one who gives life. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. So the natural, Adam, all of that happened first. The spiritual that he's going to accomplish comes with Christ, the last Adam. Verse 47, the first man, still talking about Adam, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. Okay? The second man, there you go, Jesus again, is the Lord from heaven. So there's the difference again in Adam, physical. Do you remember when he sinned and God said, you're going to die, and then one day your body's going to die? He says, dust you are, to dust you will return. Right? Okay, but over here, Christ is a spiritual man, okay? Had a physical body, but he's in the process of redeeming all of that. Verse 48, and as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. So let's stop. Here we are. In other words, the way Adam was, and we are descendants of Adam, so the way Adam was made of dust, we who also are made of dust, right, are as well. Now don't let this, you know, don't let this trip you up. I just want you to see that we have, a, we have a natural relationship with Adam from birth. God intends to provide us with an opportunity to be supernatural, have a supernatural existence, a spiritual existence, a spirit that is alive to God. So verse 48, yeah, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Those who have come into a relationship with this heavenly man. Those who have received the Son of God as Savior. We, we, we inherited things from Adam, and now we're going to get something from Christ. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And we were like Adam. <laughs> but Son of God became a human being, the second Adam, the last Adam, that we might be like him and bear a new image, that we might become more and more like Christ. And so this is the idea of the first Adam, the last Adam, the first man, the second man, the, the man of earth, the man who's spiritual. And, and what we're learning here is that we are either spiritually, I mean, we're, we're all descendants of Adam physically, right? 
but spiritually, deep down inside where we have the potential to have a relationship with God. We are either still in Adam, which means we are spiritually dead, and experience all the penalty goes with that, or, or we are in Christ because we have received him as Savior, which changes all of that. And so here's the thing. So just a few facts we want to nail down and understand, and that's this. Everyone in the world followed in the footsteps of the first Adam. Everyone. Everyone, for all have sinned, right? We've all sinned. Guilty of sinning against a holy God. We followed in his footsteps. We had that nature and then we chose to live it out. We just went ahead and lived it out ourselves. And so we're guilty of sinning against a holy God. And Romans tells us this. It says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And not just physical death, spiritual death. Spiritual death is a deadness to God. Just like, you know, if you, you find a, a little mouse that has met his end in your house because you put a trap there. Too bad, right? But you look at him, he's not moving. There's no response, is it? No response, not able to respond, you know, inside. And so we spiritually... We inherited this death, this spiritual death, where we aren't responsive to God. We can know that he exists, but we don't have a relationship. There's no connection. That's the way we are by nature. That's the way we are in Adam. Okay? And we, we followed in those footsteps. The second thing is this, that because of this, we are facing eternal judgment in hell. This is what we have earned. Our sins have earned us this. Facing eternal judgment in hell. For by one man's offense, many died. And one offense resulted in condemnation. By the one man's offense, death reigned. Through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. We, we uh, lived out our relationship with Adam. And it brings us condemnation. And if we die in this condition and stand before a holy God in this condition, we will be condemned forever. And it's not a thing we can do to fix it at that point. We've sinned against the holy God, and that brings us uh, the, that we are facing eternal judgment when our life comes to an end. And the third thing is this. Because we follow in Adam's footsteps, we are driven along by a corrupt nature that is dead to God. A corrupt nature, a sinful nature, sometimes we say. It's a nature that isn't at all the way God intended for it to be. It's a nature that's, that believes that self is king. I am the Lord of my own life. I am what matters most in life. That is our natural bent in Adam. Okay? Not a pretty picture. Paul describes it like this in Ephesians. He says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, children who, the people who deserve this condemnation. So, the gospel is supposed to be good news, isn't it? It sounds like bad news to me. But we have to understand it to understand the good news. And here's the good news. The Son of God became the man, Jesus, and took on the role of the last Adam, the second man. 
Where Adam failed, Christ succeeded. And because of that, we can have a different destiny and a different experience in this life, and he's going to resolve these problems. And so this is where, again, understand, we don't usually hear the phrase in Adam very much. You will often hear me or Dave talk about being in Christ, right? In Christ, and what does that mean? And we hear that, in Christ, in Christ, but what you want to understand is really in Adam is where we started, and it was all downhill from there. But when we receive Christ as Savior, we're put into Christ, and then Christ begins to restore and replace and rebuild and change us. So the Son of God became come the man, Jesus, took on the role of the last Adam or the second man. Now, the uh, Christmas carols try to capture some of this, especially in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, some of the lyrics. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, the Son of God coming down to earth, becoming a man, God with us. Ruined nature, now restore, now in mystic union join. So this idea of this ruined nature that we had because we are in Adam, he's restoring that. Okay, He's restoring it and he's restoring it by this joining us to Jesus when we receive Christ as Savior. Adam's likeness, Lord, efface, do away with it. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam, from above, reinstate us in thy love. See, so this is the idea. This, what is this? This first Adam, second Adam. First man, second man in Christ. And when we understand this, that this is where we are at by nature, this is what we have uh, are by nature. We've made choices that have earned it as well. We deserve what goes along with it. And yet God is offering us something different. And this is where this indescribable gift comes in. See, this is the Christmas connection that God sent his son to succeed for us where Adam failed. So we can have a relationship with him. So Three amazing things given to us in Jesus. Three amazing things that God gave us. The first one is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. It's big. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Um, I was doing a little calculating last night and thinking about it. I thought about it before. We've talked about it sometimes before. If you want to go back, and I'm going to say 10 years old, when I was 10 years old, and let's say that that's when I really, for the first time, understood the difference between right and wrong. Now, I think it was probably earlier than that, but I'm being generous with myself. 10 years old. And let's say I've just been this amazing person, and I only sinned twice a day. Do you understand that at this point, I'm over 40,000 sins? Let's take it five a day. Over 100,000 sins. And I really don't know if I want to know how many there really are, right? But how many of them are forgiven when I receive Jesus as Savior? Every single one of them. And all my sins were in the future when Jesus died for them, so he died for the ones I haven't even committed yet. 
Oh, by God's grace, I don't want to commit them. Right? But he's already died for them. Already paid for them. What an amazing gift. Forgiveness of sins. Every sin forever for all time forgiven. Second thing he has given to us is eternal life. Eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift that God gives us in Jesus. Now, you do not have eternal life in, in Adam. You have eternal existence someplace. Hell. But when you're in Christ, you not only have eternal existence, you now have eternal life. And there's a difference. It's a huge difference. Now, I've actually had people tell me before that, you know, I don't think I want to live forever. I mean, this life, have you ever, you know, anybody get tired in this life? Well, guess what? Eternal life with God in heaven is not like this life. It is different. It's like perfect life. And as I thought about this, I'm going to get bored with perfect life. No, here's the deal. And I, I, I can't take you to a Bible verse as such and tell you this. Except that I think it's in Lamentations. It talks about God says, your mercies are new every morning. I have a sense that in eternity, when we live this life, that every day is noticeably better than the day before. And the next day is noticeably better than that day. The food that you ate today was unbelievable. And tomorrow, it's going to be even better. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is, this is heaven. This is what, what we get, got to do with the Lord and for the Lord there in heaven. The next day, what? We get to do something even more exciting, something better, something more. That's heaven. That is eternal life. That is an amazing gift, isn't it? It's not going to be a place you're going to be bored and, you know, that would be better all the time. And the third thing he's given us, an amazing gift, is the indwelling presence of God. Peter talked about in this very first sermon there, he, he said, talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. A gift from God that God himself moves into us. You see, this reality over here that our spirit is dead to God and it is self-centered and, and it'll do whatever. I mean, it's just, that's our nature. But when we, that's in Adam, but when we receive Christ as Savior, he moves in. God himself moves in and he joins himself with our spirit. And do you think we're half dead spirit and half living God? No, he comes in, and when he comes in and joins with our spirit, our spirit comes to life. We are born spiritually. We are born again, born from above. And so we have this life, the very life of God inside of us. Now, your, your, your mind doesn't immediately start thinking perfectly. Your mind needs to be fixed. Your choices and habits need to be fixed. All sorts of things need to be fixed. But that's what's happened. God has moved deep down inside and he starts working on that from the inside out. Not from the outside in. From the inside out. Because if you work from the outside in, you can start looking pretty good and never have changed. 
So Charlie, you work on lots of engines. Steven, you work on motors and all that. Could you clean an engine up perfectly and have it look awesome, but on the inside, it's just a wreck? Yeah. See, that isn't the way God, God goes inside and fixes everything there and then begins working out into our lives. Isn't that an amazing thing? He's always there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there working, doing all the things that he promised he would do. And so we have these three amazing gifts that God has given to us in Jesus. The forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and the indwelling presence of God. And how do we receive it? Well, we all start off naturally in Adam. And what we have to do is somehow rather get into Christ. And the Bible's really clear about how we do that. We have to get into him, he has to get into us. And John wrote these words in his first letter. He said, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in what? His son. This life that we need is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So if you're still doing what you've been doing and living the way you've been living since you were born, and I don't care what kind of change you made, if you are still spiritually dead to God, Jesus does not live in you, you do not have life. You are dead spiritually. If you die physically being dead spiritually, you will be dead spiritually forever in hell. But what a promise. If we have Jesus, we have life. We don't have that deadness anymore. John also says this. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So how do we receive him? We believe. We put our faith in. We choose to trust what Jesus did for us. Jesus, born at Christmas as a baby, he lives a perfect and sinless life. He goes to the cross willingly, and as he dies there, somehow the Father takes the penalty for my sin and your sins and the sins of the whole world and puts it on Jesus. And he dies there paying that penalty. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And this glorious thing that God offers is he says, if you will... Place your faith in Jesus, who he is, what he did for you. Receive him as Savior by believing, trusting that your sins will be forgiven, that you will have eternal life, and God himself will move in and begin making good changes from the inside out. Now, a lot of you here today have already done that, have already received Christ as Savior. But it very likely could be that some of you here today haven't or you're, you're unclear about this whole thing. Maybe this is a new thought to you. Those of you watching, the same, same thing. I'd like to tell you how you can receive Christ as Savior. What you have to do is just understand, yeah, I have sinned against the Holy God and I, I deserve His condemnation. And I believe that Jesus is who the Bible said He was. I don't understand it honestly, but I believe it, I accept it. And I believe he died for my sins and rose again from the dead. And if that's you, you can receive Christ as Savior. You just got to talk to him. Just tell him. Make the decision. Open yourself up to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that here. 
those of you watching as well. So let's, let's just bow our heads, everyone. And we're looking around. If that's you today and you're saying, well, first of all, let me ask, no one looking around, how many of you say, man, I absolutely know for a fact that I received Jesus as Savior. I have done that and my sins are forgiven and I have eternal life. If that's you, you know that. Would you just real quick raise your hand up? Yes, hands all over the place. Put them down. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand today. You're uncertain. Let me encourage you. Would you pray right now to receive Jesus as Savior? Those of you who are watching can ride along with us here. I want you to silently talk to God. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud, and you can pray the same thing with me, but you pray silently to God. God knows what's in your heart. God hears what you're saying. Say something like this to God. Say, God, I know that I've sinned. And I know my sins have condemned me. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible said he was. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And right now, I choose to put my trust in Jesus. I choose to receive Jesus as my Savior and to put my faith in him to forgive my sins and give me eternal life. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to help me out with something. If you're here today and you just this morning finally said, okay, and you prayed that prayer with me, you're sincere in your heart, you prayed that prayer with me. I want to pray for you specifically. With no one looking around, if you prayed with me, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Anyone, I see that hand. Yes, anybody else? Others? Father, thank you for this person who raised their hand. I, I am so encouraged by that, Father. I pray that you will help them to understand that, that you really have forgiven every sin and that they now have eternal life and they... Uh, that you have moved in and you're going to begin working. You're going to begin bringing changes into their lives, Lord, as they believe your word and live by it. And I pray for that, Father. Please encourage this person. Help them to take steps to keep growing. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me say to you that if you prayed with me and didn't raise your hand or you have questions, I would love to talk to you about this, okay? God is so good and faithful. He will do what he's promised to do. I'm going to ask our band to make your way up here. We're going to end today with one more song of worship to the Lord. And if you're watching today and maybe you prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, if that's the case, send me a message, okay? You can put it in the comments if you want, but send me a message, something I'd really like to connect with you about that. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says this, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Or is this ongoing? From now on. Well, God bless you. Isn't that exciting? Someone received Christ today. We know here. Yeah. And... 
who knows online. And again, like I said, let me please feel free to talk to me about this. We're going to finish worshiping the Lord here today by singing a door. So let's stand together. And when we're done, you can go and have a great Christmas.